Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer on God's Word. It's good to have you um, join us here and with the proper technology, right? We have a camera working today and um, the computer's working. Everything's working, <laughs> which is a nice, nice thing, okay, compared to yesterday. Uh, we'll continue our catechesis in 1 Kings chapter 17, and yes, we're going to um, see the prophet Elijah and uh, the story with the two stories. Rather, we hear it as two gospel lessons in church, but we'll hear it together today, connect the two with the widow at Zarephath. All right, we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse for this week. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Our psalm this week is Psalm 130, and we pray it. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. My soul waits for the Lord, my soul waits, or I, excuse me, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but we but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. And not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commend, commanded you this, 
If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right, so you've got uh, the end of Second Thessalonians here, and uh, oh, this idea of disorderly conduct. Um, <laughs> I suppose there's laws against such things in a secular world, but it happens in the church too. Um, those who disrupt and, and disorder the tradition that's been handed down, um, not from necessarily from from Lutherans or from Catholics or from um, you know church tradition more broadly, but when they when he refers to tradition, Paul here, he's talking about the faith handed over from Jesus to the apostles, right? And then the, he as an apostle has handed over to the church. So we're talking about the apostolic faith. Um, the creed, for example, which is a summary of that apostolic faith. I'm not talking about human traditions here, or even the tradi human traditions within the church, but specifically the faith that has been handed down, right? And those who are disorderly go against that, right? <laughs> not just disrupting um, earthly traditions, or churchly traditions, but rather disrupting the faith as it's been handed down from Jesus. And that's the key. That's the key. All right. Um, and then also, I, I suppose you could by extension then say that part of the job of the apostle or the pastor, or the elder, is that anything that gets in the way of the tradition of the apostles, that is faith in Christ, as he's confessed um, in the scriptures, and then, and then um, also, of course, in the creeds and confessions of the church, Anything that gets in the way of that also needs to be um, set aside uh, because it's disorderly. It's distracting even. All right. And then, as I said, our reading for catechesis today is the account of uh, Elijah in Zarephath with the widow and her son. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman, who owned the house, became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. 
So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin, to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times, and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house, and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. All right. As I said, this might be quite familiar to you. Um, we are now in our, what, going into our third year in the, in the one-year series. Uh, and this is appointed as two separate gospel lessons in the one year. So we hear them every year. Um, and I think it's important that we hear them every year because of how prototypical they are of who Jesus is and what Jesus came and did uh, to do and did. All right. So uh, why did the brook dry up and forced uh, Elijah to flee? As we saw yesterday, because there had been no rain, right? Uh, what is always the means by which the God provides for Elijah? You can see it right here. Verse 8, the word of the Lord, right? And then also that word as it's been applied to the widow, right? I have commanded a widow, again, by a word, which will be spoken by Elijah. Uh, where is Zarephath, do you know? Well, it tells you it's in the region of, of Sidon, right? Yeah, Zarephath, Zarephath. There it is. Unincorporated community. Census designated place, Franklin. Ten, oh, it's in New, there's a place called Zarephath in New Jersey. Well, that's really helpful. <laughs> All right, we won't look. So it's outside of Israel. That's the key here. It's up in Sidon. Uh, what other notation about Sidon? Uh, notation about Sidon is in these Elijah stories. We just had it yesterday. Yeah, this is where Jezebel's from, right? Her father is the king of the Sidonians, right? And of course. Um, this is not a place you would expect to find faithfulness, right? Because um, Jezebel brought into Ahab's house the worship of uh, Baal, right? And those idols. All right, so what does God tell Elijah about the widow of Zarephath? Of course, that she is going to provide uh, food for him. When uh, Elijah approaches the city, he sees her. What is she doing here? Yeah, she's gathering up sticks, gathering up sticks. Uh, of course, a widow is a, a woman whose husband has died. Um, but think about what that means. It means that she has no one to rely upon in this culture, right, except upon God, uh, or her son, for that matter, right? But having no other sons, having no husband, um, she's left all alone. Of course, widows often in the Bible, uh, we talked about this last year with the LWML, uh, those ladies that were participated in that, remember, um, the, the widow is a picture of the church apart from Christ right? The church who can only rely upon God. Of course, sticks. So we have a widow, the church, and we have sticks, wood, aha. Again, relying upon the cross of Christ, the cross being the focus of our hope, right? Now she sees it as a negative. Of course, we can see pictures of Christ here already in this story. There's many more. All right, so what does Elijah ask for first? Yeah, a little water, right? 
Um, are there any other biblical stories that begin like this, where the prophet or the man of God asks for water? Yeah, think of uh, John chapter 4. We have the woman at the well with Jesus, right? Jesus asks for a drink of water from her. Um, but that, of course, is a picture of what came back in uh, Genesis 24, where we have Abraham, um, Abraham's servant, I should say, giving a drink, or getting a drink, I should say, asking for a drink uh, from Rebecca, right? So Abraham sends his servant, and uh, Rebecca gives, her, gives him a drink of water. So we see this frequently with women, faithful women. Uh, what did Elijah also ask for? Of course, a piece of bread. And when he asked for that, she says, of course, she had no flour, or excuse me, had no bread, only a handful of flour and a little jar of oil, right? You see that in verse 12. And she was planning to just prepare this as their kind of her last meal with her son, and then they would um, end up starving and dying, is what she expected. Of course, who would eventually eat a meal and die that we might eat and live? Again, a picture of Jesus, right? Who instituted the Lord's Supper, right? Who ate that meal with his, his disciples before he was offered. Um, he offered himself as the Lamb of God and died for the sins of the world. Um, so Elijah makes a, a revised request, right? Don't fear. And uh, make just make a small cake for me first and bring it to me and afterward then do as you have said, right? Of course, he attaches a promise to that request. In verse 14, you see it, right? The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord, a day the Lord sends rain upon the earth, right? So he's speaking with the Lord's authority here. Um, so, did she listen? Yeah, she believed the word of the Lord's promise, right? Um, is there another eating, another meal that requires us to believe the word of promise attached to it? That's right, the Lord's Supper. There it is again, right? How about oil and flour? What's the significance of oil and flour in the church, in the life of the church? All right, oil is often um, used or symbolic of the Holy Spirit. This is why there's an anointing of oil um, historically at, uh, uh, of the baptized when they are sick, um, also at confirmation um, or at baptism, rather, either place um, or both places, depending on when they happen. Um, another time for anointing of oil. Um, I don't think we have done it with ordination, but that would be an appropriate place too, where, you, where the gift of the Holy Spirit is given. Of course, flour is the basic ingredient of bread, which points us to the bread of life, of course, Jesus. Uh, and so, as Elijah said, every day that Elijah was there, you see in verse 16, God keeps his promise, right? The flour is not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. All because says, according to the word of the Lord, because the Lord had declared it by a word, a promise. Uh, but of course, there's something interesting here in the background, right? With bread, uh, but then also you have here, prepared for myself and my son in verse 12, that we may eat it and die. And then again in 17, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who was owned the house became sick. And of course, there was no breath left in him. He died, right? So notice that death comes even though um, they had daily bread. Right? Give us a stay our daily bread. There's a, maybe a different kind of bread that's needed, right? A bread that gives life eternal, a resurrection. And so the woman complains, right? She's faithful here, 
as she's receiving her daily bread, but notice her faithfulness runs dry, so to speak, uh, when her son dies. She wondered if the man of God had come to punish her for her sin by killing her son. So notice that, uh, oh man, there's so many hints here. Where does she take, where does Elijah take the boy? Catch, look at this, verse 19. He carried him to the upper room and placed him on a bed. Ah, upper room, bread, Jesus, life. Yeah, again, the upper room points to where Christ instituted the Lord's Supper to bring us from death to life. And then, of course, if you didn't get the hint already, <laughs> the, pro the, uh, the prophet here points us to Christ again as he stretches himself out on the child. How many times? Three times, not coincidental. Three has often been used uh, throughout the Old Testament, if always, as a sign of Christ's resurrection from the dead on the third day. Note, too, that the prophet comes in uh, physical contact with the child. I, mean, I think we miss this, this fact, right? This physical contact. Um, that Jesus actually comes and he touches us. This is why he uses uh, physical means of water, bread, wine. Um, the hand of the pastor, absolution in absolution, right? Think of uh, this from Luke 7, right? And this story should sound pretty familiar to you. It happens to be the story we hear when we hear of the raising of the widow of Zarephath's son. It's also, this is the gospel text we hear. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd, and when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city went with or was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. And here's the key. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And then he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. And then fear came upon them all, etc. All right. Um, this is, uh, well, this is the reality of things, is that Jesus brings life to our bodies by taking on uh, a body, right? The body. He becomes incarnate to save us who are incarnate, right? Because from his body that died and rose again, we receive life um, as he comes and touches us, right? As he touched the funeral bier, he touches us with his body and blood in the sacrament. Um, so our physical bodies receive life from his physical body as he rose from the dead. So we will on the last day rise from the dead again in the body, right? So let's not deny our bodily existence. It's the way that God made us. Why did the widow always address Elijah? Um, notice how the word she uses here as a man of God. Oh, man of God. Well, of course, who is the man of God? the Son of God, Jesus, right? So she's pointing to him as, as the truth speaker, right? The way, the truth, the life, think of Jesus, who, in whom there is the gift of resurrection, um, and it's bestowed to all men. So maybe she's not exactly being unfaithful, but she's certainly pleading out for mercy on her son, right? And she's confessing her own sinfulness. Notice that too, in verse 18. All right, so what key confession did she, did she make here in verse 24? Again, confirmed by the resurrection of her son, that the word of the Lord is truth. All right, this is a confession of faith. 
in the true God. And remember, where are we? This is key. We're in Zarephath of Sidon, outside of Israel, outside of Judah, right? This is a Gentile woman. And her confession, of course, is the opposite of her contemporary, also from Sidon, Jezebel um, in Israel, who lives in Israel and yet is unfaithful and unbelieving. All right. Meditation then. The church is brought to mind by this story's widow, who was found picking up the sticks, a sign of our Lord's cross. Surely it is from the cross that our Lord offers life-giving food. Indeed, this narrative has so many important connections to the life-giving supper of our Lord. We hear at first that they would eat and die, but they lived. Yet the young man would still die, only to be raised again in the upper room after physical contact with the man of God. It is Christ who is the man of God who comes to us with his word of truth in the sacrament to give us life, eternal life. The oil of the spirit is in the word joined to the bread so that the power of death is overthrown. We gladly say our amen after the supper, confessing the truth of our Lord's word of promise attached to this heavenly meal. Speaking of Jesus, let's uh, confess the explanation to the second article. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, to redeem us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, taking all of the punishment that we deserved for our sin upon himself. He descended into hell, proclaiming his victory over the devil, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, preaching the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life in his name to the whole world. We give thanks to you for all that your Son has done for us. Help us to know and believe in Jesus. He has now ascended into heaven and sits at your right hand as our Savior and Lord. All the enemies of sin, death, and hell have been placed under his feet, and he now rules over all things for the sake of his church. Give us fervent faith in Jesus and the blessed hope that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, giving the gift of eternal salvation to all who believe in him. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, we pray our collect for this week. O Lord, keep your household, the church, in continual godliness, that through your protection she may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve you in good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for the church and her pastors, for all missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All right. Um, Let's include in our prayers today those that we missed yesterday. So, We give thanks to God for Anita and Jarrett and Joel and Deb, all of whom have celebrated their birthday. Pray for those, let's see, any others? No, we pray for our households of the church, especially 
that of Kevin, Dennis, Stephanie, Chad and Jolene, Jeremy, Russ and Amy. Continue to give thanks to God for the labor and effort to rehab the teacherage. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, and John, Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, Norman, Sandy, Kathy, and Mike, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially our mission of the month, Orphan Grain Train. We pray for or intercede for a denial of self. Sorry, we should not have prayed for John. I forgot to change this. Changed it in the bulletin. Um, John, um, Reverend Herzog died in the Lord, uh, I believe, Sunday. All right, so we pray for his family, his congregation, and his friends who grieve his death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All right. Last night we celebrated the Feast of St. Simon and St. Jude, so you can go and uh, hear more about that, watch the sermon or listen to the podcast version. Uh, But we'll pray a collect in memory of them today. Almighty God, you chose your servants Simon and Jude to be numbered among the glorious company of the apostles as they were faithful and zealous in their mission. So may we with ardent devotion make known the love and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, stanzas one through five. Oh, I actually did something in preparation for this. Let me just uh, get it ready here. Uh, We'll be singing this on Sunday, and uh, we'll actually sing it in two halves. Uh, I like to do that mostly um, just for the sake of fatigue, right? (laughs) I mean, a 10 stanza hymn. We're not built like we used to be, I guess, and um, we get grumpy about singing that many stanzas in a row. Uh, I think it's kind of silly, but that's how it goes. I understand. You run out of breath, etc. When you have those longer hymns, it'd be nice to have like uh, organ interludes and that kind of thing give you a moment to catch your breath. All right, so stanzas one through five.
Both wrath and woe are everywhere, for men love isle of vengeance. Our flesh has not those pure desires, the spirit of the law requires, and lost is our condition. It was a false misleading that God is law had given, that sinners could themselves redeem, and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a bitter bride to bring the inbreds into light that lurks within our From sin our flesh could not abstain, sin held its sway unceasing. The task was useless and in vain, our guilt was there increasing. None can remove sin's poison tongue, for purify our guileful heart, so deep is our Corruption. Yet as the law must be fulfilled, or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger still, our human nature sharing. He has poured us the Good to have you with us here today, and glad the technology is working better today. Um, I see you in the chat there, Michael, Grace, Gus, and Eileen, Karen, Don and Karen are going to watch later, uh, my Aunt Nancy, they're all there. Uh, I am feeling a little bit better today, still got the runny nose, a little bit of congestion, uh, which is just more aggravating than anything. So, uh, you know, taking it easy, not uh, making any visits, that kind of stuff, keep it to myself, <laughs> and uh, all the normal stuff. Vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin A, etc. And uh, oh, and thanks to uh, one of my members who got me some um, alkaline structured uh, silver, which is also a nice remedy for that too. So to fight the cold. All right, Lord be with you all. Uh, keep you safe, and God willing, we'll see you in the morning, nine a.m. for our congregation of prayer. See you.